but this morning it always is. And I just thought it's so related to what the Lord has been talking to me about. And um, I've been spending time in, um, in John and John 14 and 15 and um, just really see, and if you want, you can turn to your Bibles to John 15, 9. And, um, and I'll read it. John 15, 9. And if you have the, if you have the new King James, you'll see that the title above it that says love and joy perfected, which I really love because <laughs> I think, oh, this is so true. Love and joy are perfected in doing this. John 15, 9, as the father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. And um, sometimes the simplest things are just the richest things. And as I see, as we're in worship and some of the things that are being sung, you know, um, I will place my refuge under the shadow of your wings, O oh God. I just see that as like, hey, I'm, I, as the Father has loved me, um, I'm abiding in his love. Set a fire in my heart to see you as you are. I just think, again, like, as the Father has loved me, I'm looking at him, gazing on him, gazing on the Godhead, which we're going to talk about, and then um, just, just basking in that love, um, you know, letting it refresh me, letting it refresh us, um, just bathing in the oil of his love, right? That was one of the other things that... Um, I loved what Samaritan was just singing, dripping in the oil of love. And I just think that's what's happening. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. As I abide in his love, the Father's love, in the love of Jesus, in the love of the Spirit, um, I can drip with the oil of love. It's really like it's the solution to everything. This is where I just think it's so powerful that whatever struggle that I'm being faced with, whatever your struggle you're being faced with, the answer is abiding in the love of the Father. He is the answer. He is love and joy perfected in us. And it's just so, so great when we just kind of distill it to this simplicity of I, I just need to bask in the love of the Father so that I can have perspective. I need to bask in the love of the Father so I can have hope. I need to bask in the love of the Father so I can see that he's working all things together for my good. I want to bask in the love of the Father so I can see that he is taking me forward in a place that I can't see, but um, he, he is good. So... Um, I'm just going to pray real quick. Lord, we are, we're just amazed at how you love and how you relate. So would you touch our heart with revelation and understanding of your heart? So um, God is inviting us to abide and to participate in his burning love for us. And it's available. It's available for whoever wants to receive it. But there is a participation factor involved. It's, it's us coming in over and over again, like surrendering to it. He's inviting us to bask deeply in this love that he has, but we have to stay focused in on it. We have to lock our gaze on his beautiful love. And 
there is just so many distractions all around us. I mean, it feels like even cliche is, but a bask in the beautiful love of God. But we we actually have to be intentional about it. I I loved um, Steph's message about the soaking. It it's interesting that you know for the longest time that was, was that and it still really is. It's just soaking sets are my favorite. Um, my favorite of the week. You know, I love to come here on Monday nights when Tom is playing. I love, um, sometimes Landon will just be strumming along and the, on the guitar, and I just so feel the spirit on it, and I just sit there, and I just, I just listen because I feel, I feel like the Lord is answering the prayer that I know I prayed for years that God would use that gift of music in our house to, to give him to glory. You know, for us to just exalt him and to feel his nearness and his presence. And so it's just the, in it, it feels so like we talk about a lot, like weak. But, and I know we, like we, we know this, but we just have to keep coming and reminding ourselves of it. I want to keep coming and reminding myself that the answer when I'm feeling disconnected with him is not that I need to go do something, but I need to just come before him and abide in him and ask him, I need to come into his love so I can feel his heart for me and then get direction from him. Let him um, refresh me, like David talked about, refresh me with raisin cakes. And just let it, let his love strengthen us and sustain us. Um, I mean, does anybody feel weary in any area? You Do you feel struggle? Do you feel... Overwhelmed, you feel like I don't know how this. I don't know what the solution is to this situation that I'm dealing with, or you know, there is this. You know, I've got this money concern. Gas prices are going up. You know, there's insecurity in all these areas. There's some relational struggles. You know, there's uh, the aspect of I I just am. I'm plagued with this thing that I can't seem to get victory over. With what whatever the thing is, it's like these things that gnaw at us and they start to you know, beat us down and, and make us weary. And he is wants to remind us, and it seems so elementary, but I'm coming here to remind you and to remind me through our body of the things that we, we know here, but we forget here because we disconnect. And it is our life source, our answer. It's, it's like all of a sudden, you, if you've ever had like, you're on your computer and you you're like I, nothing. I, I've got all these things I've got going on. Like for me, I've got you know, Landa will tell you I've got at least at least ten tabs open. That'd probably be good for me. Um, and there's all these little irons, if you will, or that are in the fire. And then you're trying to do things and you're on one page and nothing's happening. So you switch to another page or you're loading this one. It's not going fast enough. So you go to the other page and you're trying to do all these things. And, and then all of a sudden you realize that you're disconnected from the internet. And then it's like, oh, this is why nothing's happening. And it's just cycling. And nothing's going on. And it's like, this is what we do in our lives when we get disconnected from the abiding love of the Holy Spirit. Because we talk about getting disconnected from the Spirit, but I want to take it, I want to look at, I'm not just disconnected from the Spirit, but I'm disconnected from the love of the Father and the love of the Son and the love of the Holy Spirit, which is why my, you know, that my little screen is just processing and nothing's going anywhere, right? Because I need that. So 
He wants to strengthen us and sustain us. And this was at the center of his heart from the beginning. You know, his invitation to abide in his fellowship. Um, this love, all the way, goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. He wanted to share the heart of fellowship with them, right? He walked with them in the cool of the day. And so the Holy Spirit's first agenda is to establish the first commandment as first place in the church. We go all the way back to Moses in Deuteronomy 6, 5. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, right? With all of your strength. Um, God spoke it to Moses. Moses declared it. And there's no commandment with a, with a higher priority. So how do we love the Lord our God with our whole heart, our whole soul, and all of our strength? We have to abide in his love. We have to abide in his presence because we can't do it apart from him. So um, Jesus, in Matthew, Jesus actually highlights something that Moses didn't hear because he, he just went on a little bit further to not only love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, and mind, but he says, there is no greater commandment with a higher priority. I just like that to remind myself, okay, there's all these things that are going on and we're looking at the things that need to get done or aren't happening and we look at the future coming and we look at, you know, we're focusing in as a body is watching and praying and getting ready and doing David's tabernacle and putting a focus in on Israel and, you know, all of the things that we, that, that we value. But we can't do any of these apart from abiding in his love because it's the first and greatest commandment. And as soon as we get that off, then we can't even really do the prayer room right without abiding in his love. But coming in the prayer room and doing it actually enables us to go deeper into that abiding love of God. But it is a posture of the heart. You could actually come here, and if you're not abiding in his love, actually not get in it. It is something that we have to come with intentionality about. This is the posture of my heart, my life. I want to you know, believe that he's the answer to it. It isn't something that I'm doing. I'm not coming here to check a box. And I know we talk about this and it just seems cliche, but you know, when you do something for a very long time, this can happen. And so it's like, we're always checking our heart because if it feels like, if it isn't in the beginning, what, what, what I talked about that title, love and joy perfected, if I don't come here, maybe I'm coming here and I'm feeling a little bit like my heart isn't exactly there, but I want it to be. But if by the time that I leave, love and joy isn't perfected in me, then there is something that is wrong because it isn't actually what's happening in my heart that God wants to do in my heart can't, can't happen. And it's, it's restful for all of us. I'm not standing here saying like, here, why don't you do it right like I do it right every time because I don't because everybody that stands up here, as Tom says it well, I think it's like it's, it preaches well but lives hard. So this is true for all of us. So we're just, I'm talking to myself here too. Um, the command to love God with all of our hearts, actually, believe it or not, it doesn't begin with our response to God. I think that might seem like, okay, there's the command and I need to respond to God. And, but it actually begins and it's demonstrated to us by the relationship within the Godhead. So we have to see, how, do, how does this happen? How do I do this? Well, the way that we do this is we actually look at what's happening in the Trinity with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. God's heart that burned with perfect love within the fellowship of the Trinity modeled this whole idea of, you know, God the Father is loving the Son with his whole soul, mind, and strength. And the Spirit is loving Jesus with the whole, you know, heart, mind, soul, strength. You know, this, this reciprocal relationship is happening 
in the Godhead. John first, first John 4, 16 says God is love. He is wholehearted love. Um, and John 4, 1 John 4, 16, we have known and believed the, the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. I want to abide in love so that I can abide in him. So unlike our love, though, there's no levels. With God, it's always all wholehearted love. Now, there's levels for us. We have levels of love depending on the level of intimacy that we have or that we feel with each other. Like some, sometimes there's, you know, we're at a higher, you know, level of, you know, we know each other and we love each other, but, but then there's, you know, deeper levels of intimacy within that. Well, with God, there is no levels. It's just, it's all. It's completely wholehearted. He is a consuming fire. His love is perfect. He doesn't love partially. So there is nothing more important than God's desires for us. So when I think about, um, which, which is great because it's like he's my model. He's like a wholehearted love. I, I don't wholeheartedly love. But as he's teaching me, as he's loving me, I am participating more and more in his love, and I am letting him transform me so that I can be a conduit for him also. His desire is to fill the earth with love. He, the, 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 the Godhead is, has perfect love and fellowship. It's not like God's like, okay, I'm lonely, so I need to create mankind. No, there's perfect fulfillment in the Godhead between God the Son and the Holy Spirit. But he wants this love. He's inviting that relationship to extend out. He wants the earth to be filled with love. And so the relationship between the Godhead, as I said, they're filled with perfect love. So we were made in his, the image of God. So what does that mean for us? We were actually meant to replicate that reality, right? It's not like we can say, well, that's God. God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. Well, of course, that's wholehearted, perfect love. But then there's me, and that's a whole other story. <laughs> yep, <laughs> but we were made in his image. So he actually is inviting us to wholehearted love. Is that easy? Definitely not. How can we do it? How is there ever going to be any hope? Abiding in his love letting it transform us because it comes through us. So we want to respond. He wants us to respond in wholehearted love because that's who he, the way he loves, and that's actually the way he made us to love. So he, he's saying, I'm not asking you to do something that I didn't make you with a capacity to do. I'm inviting you to come do something that I'm going to empower you through the spirit to actually do it. The Godhead does it, and I actually want you to do it. He's actually calling us even deeper than that. Like, if you think about this model, I I was picturing in my mind, and this is probably an oversimplistic picture, but I'm picturing God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and they're holding hands in a circle. You know, they're loving each other with their whole heart, soul, and mind. And, um, but, so when I think we're supposed to be modeling that, so I'm picturing, okay, all right, me and my friends are in a circle you know, trying to love each other with our whole heart, soul, and mind. And trying is the right word because that's all we'll ever be able to do if we don't have God the Son, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit in the circle. They actually have to invite us into their circle to be in between us because otherwise we cannot do it at all, which is just a great reminder. It's like, wait, this is possible, but i got to get some Holy Spirit in between me and between God the Father and God the Son between, you know, into this into this circle of what he's trying to do because he's... He is, um, 
he's calling us to be a family, sons and daughters, not servants. He's, um, we're, he's not just having us be at a distance and just revere him like other religions. We're like, oh my gosh, it's God. I can't even, you know, I can't engage or look upon. I'm, but he's like, no, I am inviting you into this fellowship. He is a bridegroom. He is a father. But unfortunately, salvation within much of Christianity is reduced to, um, okay, I just need to get redeemed from my sins so that I won't go to hell. Great. Got it. But that is just the very beginning. The gospel of the kingdom of God is not a fire insurance policy as we know, but it is a relationship to, to, for us to, to rule and reign, to, to come into that fullness of his um, what he made us for. And it helps if we start thinking about the fact that he wants us to start walking in that here, which is why we keep coming here and we're like, I can't do it. I'm selfish and I'm self-centered and I get hurt and I'm struggling and all these different things and I worry and I have anxiety. And, and he's like, you've got to come and abide in my love. It's the only way that it can happen. And so... Um, Redemption happened so that we can enter into the circle. That was the purpose. So I've been saved by the blood of Jesus. Hooray! The separation has, like, we want to celebrate that. But that is so that I can, now I, I was over here cast up, but now I, now, now the Godhead is saying, here, come on, take the hand. Come on over so that you can, we can be in deep fellowship with one another. So he wants to draw us near to come closer he wants deep participation with us. He invites us to it. He didn't create the human race just to display his power. Although, you know, we, we do adore him, and he is worthy of our praise. And, um, but it's for that fellowship. John 17.3 says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ. I'm... I'm blown away about the fact that the Almighty God is deeply moved. Aren't you? His heart, his burning heart is deeply moved to be in fellowship with us. He's moved by our weak love, our weak reach. He's moved by it. It's just, that is, that's, un, that's, that's unbelievable. So the love burning in God's heart has at least five distinct expressions that I'm going to touch on, and they are really interrelated to one another, and as I was <clears throat> preparing, I was, I knew there's no way that this is all going to happen um, in just one morning. In fact, I really, really want to try to, um, I'm, I have my goal of, of definitely going shorter than I normally do, and so I'm, I know I'm not going to cover all these areas, but I'm going to just begin to go into them, and then I teach in another month, and we'll just keep going in that. But there's these five distinct <clears throat> expressions that are deeply interrelated. And these expressions of God's burning love, these expressions that manifest out of abiding in the love of the Father. And the first one is, um, really, it sounds weird, but like God's love for God. <clears throat> like, like God's love for God, that doesn't make sense. But it is, it's just what I kind of alluded to earlier. It's each person in the Trinity intensely loves the other within the Trinity with their heart. So it's what I mentioned earlier about, you know, 
God the Father loves the Son with his whole heart, soul, and mind and strength, right? Jesus loves the Holy Spirit with his whole soul, mind, and strength. Um, the Spirit loves the Father with a whole mind, soul, and strength. It's, it's all, it is this perfect union of love between them. And it's, what's really cool about it is that that love that's happening within the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, it's not going to just stay there because love actually demands that it be shared. So the idea is for that to spread out through all the whole earth. That's why the goal is to bring the earth into the Father's love, to establish his kingdom, his kingdom of love. God's, the, the other um, distinct expression is God's love for his people. He loves his people with you guessed it, all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength. And he loves the redeemed with the same intensity that he loves that fellowship within the Trinity. Now this is, we're going to come to the verse about that, but it's, that's hard to believe you're saying, okay, God the Father loves me as much as he loves God the Son. Yes, that's what the word says. Yes, Jim says yes. Um, one of the other distinct expressions that is really deeply interrelated is our love for God. And this tends to be the one that we talk about a lot, so we, we, we're a little bit more familiar with this idea of it, but his, his own love is imparted to his people by the Spirit. Roman, Romans 5.5 5 talks about this. We are able to love God because he first loved us. He gives us his Holy Spirit as, an adopt, as a deposit to, to love him back. We can't, we can't even love apart from God. Like, he created us, Right? He did create us for love, and he is the one who enables us to do that. So I get to love God, not because I am so great at loving, but because he gave me what I need to actually love him back. He gave us all of his love. He's looking for reciprocating love. Jesus defined loving God as being rooted in the spirit of obedience. And we can see that in a lot of different places, going all the way back to Deuteronomy, but then also in John, like 14, 15, verse 21, 23. But the thing about obedience is, and this is where things kind of go sideways in the church, is like all of this emphasis on follow the rules. It was even, even happened in Israel. It was never God's intention. Follow the rules. Do the law. Do this. This is the way it's supposed to happen. This is the expression of, of, of order, all the things but we can't do any of those things, nor could Israel do any of those things apart from the heart of God, apart from his, apart from love, doing the things for love, doing them not because they were a set of rules. In other words, obedience is only possible as an overflow of an abiding relationship. The more I love my husband, the better I'm able to, if you want to call it, because this is what the scripture says, obey my husband, like Sarah obeyed Abraham and called him Lord. The more that we're able to love, the more we're able to do that. Because it isn't, a, it isn't a like, oh, I'm just doing this, but I don't agree with it. And, but it's like, I'm doing this because I, I want to. Like, what happens here when we, we love each other? There's ways that we express our love for this body in the way that we commune with one another as a body the way that we give grace to one another, the way that we run this building, the way we care for one another, the way we, the way we honor one another with, with our actions, with our thoughts, um, um, that, these are all expressions. 
So it's, but it's only, the obedience is only possible as an overflow of the abiding relationship with him. This is where, when we know in the New Testament talks about that, or actually it's, it's just, it, he said he was going to write his, it wasn't the, he was going to write his law on our hearts. That was where he, th- this was all going, was true worshipers that would worship him in spirit and in truth, not out of, wait, where's the laws? Because I can't remember what number seven was. Uh, you know, it was, it's like, oh, no, this is, I have a burning heart for him. He's got a burning heart for me. I've got a burning heart from him, and this burning love that's going back and forth just brings me into alignment with making it easier for me to obey. So it's an overflow. It doesn't feel weighty. There's a whole bunch of, even though we talk about this a lot, we we got to realize that yeah, maybe we maybe we we're not in the part of Christianity that is just really ultra focused in on don't don't break the rules, follow all the rules, but you can still put yourself into this kind of a mindset. Um, we have to let the, the the Holy Spirit search us out in us all the time to make sure that we're not falling into that because we we live in a culture church culture and regular American culture that has like striving baked into it. It's just like every time we turn around, I mean, we've all experienced, I've experienced, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm not resting in God. I'm trying to do this myself. It's just something that we got to keep, keep bringing before the Lord. When my heart is aligned to his, I'm not following a list of rules. I'm expressing my love towards my beloved, which is kind of where I was going. Um, I want what he wants because we're aligned. It's not forced. This feels much lighter. It, it feels much lighter than like, okay, wait, am I doing it the way I'm supposed to be doing it? Wait, is this, am I going to be, you know, if, I, if, if I'm in my relationship with Lonnie thinking about, okay, is he going to be, is this what he wants or, is it, or am I going to do this right? Or is this going to be, um, what did he have in mind? And um, are we... Are we going in the right direction? Are we on the same page? But if I really know his heart really well, then it doesn't, that doesn't feel burdensome because I, 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 I know him. And so, you know, sometimes we don't have to have the full conversation. I can be like, yeah, I know that this is probably not what you want or this is what you want. We're aligned. When I was when I was writing this, I, this song came to my mind. The you know the lyrics came to my mind. Of course, I have to put the lyric in and search. I'm like, what is this? And I realized like, okay, this is United Pursuit song. But um, I just thought it really related to Syria because it says, "You are the light, the song of my life. You always lead me. You are the voice inside." See, I'm talking about that alignment thing. You are my love. No one before you. All that I am points to you. And I was made by you. I was made for you. I am unfulfilled without full communion. We are unfulfilled without full communion. I am unfulfilled without staying in the abiding love of God. Revelation twelve eleven says, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony. The word of the testimony is, I, um, I've got full communion I've had full communion with the Lord. I know what his love is. I know he's got me. I know he's leading me. He's guiding me. He's holding me, sustaining me. He's been in my life. I've got history with him. I am 
secure in all of the things that are coming at me. I'm, I'm secure because he's got me, every aspect of it. He's got me as a provider. He's got me as a banner. He's got me as a, as a healer. He's got me as the God who sees me. He sees where I'm misunderstood. He sees where I've been wronged. He is with me. And I am fulfilled because of my communion with him. Because I'm so filled because of my communion with him, I can overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. That's why we can't wait until things get more intense to get into this place with him. It has to happen in advance. I don't decide that, um, you know, to like we, I think Tom talked about this, you know, building the boat when the storm is already going on, you know, the hurricane is already coming. Like, I, I've got to recognize this lamp is looking pretty dry, and i got to fill this thing up. And this is filled up by abiding. I stay in conversation with the Lord. I let his love drip into my mind, will, and emotions, my conscious, subconscious, and unconscious mind. The other expression is our love for ourselves, even our love for ourselves, because I know you're thinking about, okay, well, this makes sense, our love for God, but our love for ourselves. We love ourselves in God's love for God's sake. Seeing ourselves in our new identity and our destiny and worth in God's love is, is believing him. Um, it empowers it when we see, if I can see me the way God sees me, then that empowers me to love myself. Because if you've ever heard that phrase, like, he doesn't make junk, right? Like, to, to not love myself the way that God loves me is to think that he makes mistakes. Um, he's never, we're never going to be able to love others more than we love ourselves in the grace of God. Like, if we're struggling in our relationships with other people, it's good for us to remember that we are never going to be able to love others more until we dive deeper into God's love and acceptance in, for us, that we find our full satisfaction. And in that place of, like, I love that Kool-Aid illustration. You know, that was great. I was definitely picturing Kool-Aid man. You know, <laughs> and I'm like, then I'm picturing myself as a as another big picture, and I'm just like, pour it in, go ahead and pour pour it in, because as I get that love poured in me, like I and I think that commercial even does it, big Kool Aid man. Then he fills all these other cups, <laughs> something like that. That's I need to be filled with that indwelling presence of his abiding love. Like, you know, he says you're awesome. He thinks you're amazing. He's not comparing you with other people. He's not saying, and we have to guard our heart because the world does cause us to compare or like, well, you're not doing this or you're falling short here or you're this or you're that. But you know, the Lord says, I see parts of you that other people don't know and they don't see. There are things that they are looking at you and they're misinterpreting, but I see you because I'm Jehovah El Roy and I've got you. I'm holding you. I'm the one that can keep filling you up so that you can actually pour out even when maybe you're, maybe it's an injustice or something, or maybe it's just, just some hard situation. Maybe it's a financial struggle. Maybe it's a health issue. He's just saying, I can fill you up so that you can pour back out. We're never going to be able to love others more than we love ourselves in the grace of God. So what's the answer? 
We let him love us. We come abide in his presence. We say, I want to stay in this conversation with you. It doesn't mean, okay, I'm going to read more. I'm going to do more Bible studies. I'm going to do more prayer sets. I'm going to come to more prayer sets. I'm going to, I'm going to um, make more lists. I'm going to uh, read more chapters of the Bible. Um, I'm going to, you know, read more books about God. Or I'm going to, whatever these things are. It's like, maybe, maybe you will do some of those things as led by the Holy Spirit. But those those will be just in enhancements. They're not, they were not unto that thing. They can help. I certainly think being here and reading the word of God and praying and be, but the goal is just like, I want to be in full communion with you, God, whatever that looks like. So what does that look like for me? Can I just step back from performance and striving and what somebody else might think about whether I do this or do that or, or my own critical, the enemy in my head just saying, well, you didn't do this or you didn't do that and comparing you to this or to that. The thing is, I'm just like, he's saying, no, just stop. Just stop. Just be in communion with me. Just abide in my presence. Just let me speak over you the thought. Would you listen to what I think about you? And just get filled up. Like, so much of the time, you, you know, we can't go do these things well if we're empty and we're dried up. We have to let him fill us up. And sometimes what happens is that the whole idea of, like, striving into things, like, I'm the only one who can do this, and i got to get this thing done. And this is not true. God can get stuff done without us. He's capable of doing it. So he, and we all do that. I mean, I, I really do this. I'm not, I'm just... Like, I'm talking about me and, like, what we've all, we all go through these things and we get kind of funny in our head about it. But he's, he's saying, um, listen, I, I got this. Am I not big enough? I, I loved what was happening earlier, the prayers about, like, the faith. Like, sometimes we have really great vision and we have revelation, but then we get stuck and we stop believing that God can do the things that need to happen to get those things to happen. Does that make sense? I know I do that. So, Lord, we're sorry. Lord, would you show us where we do this as we get ready for the response time in just a few minutes, Lord? I'm asking, would you highlight for us what, what are the things that we just, we kind of got sideways on and we just need to come back and we need this, just this refresher, this reminder by your spirit. But I know there's nothing here in my words that does, it's your Holy Spirit that speaks to what you want to do to bring us back into alignment with your heart so that we can feel held, supported, so we can lay our head on your chest, so we can feel your loving kindness for us, so that we can resist the, the, the lies of the enemy, so that we can feel encouraged and exhorted and filled up. In Jesus' name. So Jesus delights in who we are in the grace that he made us. He actually wants us to love the person that he loves. Um, he wants us to enjoy how much he enjoys us, to delight in how he delights in us. He doesn't, like I said, he doesn't make junk. He, he doesn't want us to believe the accusations of the enemy. I think I said all that. Isaiah 62, 4 through 5. But you shall be called Hephzibah, for the Lord delights in you. And as a bridegroom rejoices over his over the bride, so shall you, so shall your God rejoice over you. He delights in you. He delights in you. 
everyone here, I want you to say this, he delights in me. He delights in me. I don't believe you. One more time. He delights in all of us. He delights in me. He's pleased. We have to keep saying this because the enemy is in a constant place of accusation against us. Sometimes he's so accusing us and we turn around because we're so exasperated with the accusation of the enemy that we start, we start, we, we, we start um, feeling that way about the people around us. We, we're like, he doesn't delight in me because we stop believing he delights in us. And then it's hard for us to delight in the people around us because we get frustrated. But he actually delights in us and he delights in the people that, that maybe don't see it the way that we see it. And he delights in us even though we don't see it the way they see it. He like, he loves us. He's good. Um, it just really helps to be able to stay in that place. Psalms 18, 19. He delivered me because he delighted in me. That was what David saying. He delighted me. He's with me. He's got me because he likes me. He delights in me. It's just so awesome. When we know that his eyes are on us, um, we don't have to strive to get the eyes of people. We don't have to have people recognize our accomplishments. We don't have to say, okay, well, let me, let me say how, okay, well, you know, maybe sometimes the Lord shows us something, but he's, he's showing us to show us. It's not because he's saying, let me show you, I'm going to show you something so you can tell other people what I showed you. Like, it, sometimes he just, sometimes it is for the edification of the body, and sometimes he's saying that was just between you and I. I just want you to know that, I delight in you, so I'm talking to you and I'm sharing with you, sharing things with you. So it doesn't have to be for everybody else. Um, so we don't have to strive to get um, the eyes of people um, to, to recognize our accomplishments. We don't need to get the time and attention of certain people. Um, like sometimes we, if we are, we might even want to ask ourselves, like, if, why does that person's opinion bother me so much that it's different? Um, because we already have the time and attention of most, the most glorious man. I mean, I know, I have, I have seen this where sometimes I've gotten, you know, in my family frustrated because I'm, I think I'm seeing something so clearly, and I'm like, can't you see this? I can't see how you can't see this. But the, we don't see from all angles. And so it, it's really helpful to just, I help me to just stay in humility in that. We've already got the time and the attention of the most glorious man, so it really makes it a lot easier for us to be satisfied in that. Self-hatred originates from a deep, deep sense of rejection. I think this is something that all of us have a little bit up to a certain level. Like the enemy is constantly accusing, and so there is this place of, am I good enough? That's why we have to keep coming to the blood of the lamb to overcome our Abba Father desires to fully liberate our hearts from even this most subtle form of self-hatred. Then we say, I don't hate myself. But there are, there are things. There are things that are there that the enemy gets into because we're like, oh, I, I don't like this, or I didn't do that right, or whatever. You know, we just, it, it just provides him more access when we agree with that. We're just agreeing with like, yeah, I, I, I am not all that in a bag of chips, but I got the blood of the lamb over me. He covers me. He doesn't want us to wish that we were like somebody else, 
but rather that we would be genuinely thankful for who he made us to be. He wants us to love ourselves without despising our appearance, our gifting, our ministry assignments, no matter how small. If the thing that you're doing here, it seems so small and unseen, nobody knows, you, you are only, you're accountable to the Father God. He's, he's the one that you, you, you stand and fall before him. So you, you're, that's the conversation that you're having with him. Lord, am I doing what you want me to do? But, but Lord, nobody sees this thing. He's like, you, you're my child. I'm your father. I'm your Abba. That's the only thing that matters, that we stay in that connection and conversation. We abide in his love and his acceptance. We let him lead us and guide us in things. He wants us to thank him for who he made us to be. He wants, to, he wants us to realize that there are these unchangeable aspects of our appearance, our abilities, our personalities, our life circumstances that he gave us for a reason. He's going to work them all together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And the Lord wants us to enter into his feelings that he has for us. I think I've kind of been talking about that, but, and I know, I know Tom talks about this, which is so great. It's just, Lord, what do you think about me? What are your feelings for me? What are your feelings for the people around me? I have found this to be one of the most helpful things that I've learned from Tom. It's just asking the Lord, how do you see that person? How do you see the circumstances? Maybe there's something that I am not seeing that's hidden. There's another perspective on this that just because of my background and my paradigm, I just don't get. Um, but, but God does. Like, he shows us. He shows us things that we can't see. Um, what about ourselves? Like, sometimes we're ready to, like, oh, I be really hard on ourselves, but we want to say, God, how do you see me? Like, I, I, I want to ask him more, like, let me see myself from your circumstances. Let me see my friends and let me see myself. That, that is so, that is so healing. Um, some of us, some of us need to repent for longing to have another's gifting or calling. I, I, I must say, like, I go through this probably every time that I teach because I say, Lord, I, I love to be up here and share what you're saying, but the process of getting to this point because of just organization, and I feel like I've got thoughts and ideas floating all over there, and I spend lots of time, but it's just trying to, like, rein them in. It's like trying to catch a herd of cats or something, you know? They're running all around, and I'm like, I don't like this, Lord. I don't feel like, you know, some of you can kind of relate. Some people are just really, they're, like, very ordered and, you know, and I'm like, I'm frustrated, but God's like, look, I made you this way, and you got to trust me. So I'm like, I can't, you must, Lord. And that's really where he wants us to be. And the last expression is our love for others, which will be to be continued. (laughs) Because we don't have time um, to go through that this week, and I really want us to have time to respond. And so... Lord, I just, I thank you for what you want to remind us of, because I don't think there's much that I've said here that my friends probably don't already know. But this is why we just keep going back and reading your word, because we know that we need refreshers on these things. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're teaching me, even as I am going through and being reminded of of your heart. And 
Lord, I'm asking, would you reveal to me and reveal to us, where are we not abiding in your love? What effect does it have on me? What effect does it have on my relationships when I'm not abiding in your love? What effect does it have on my faith and my confidence in what you're going to do in your goodness? What effect does it have about the way that I look at the future, my lack of abiding in you? What effect does my lack of abiding in you do in terms of my, my zeal for you? Have I, have I become indifferent, disconnected? Is my heart growing cold? But I know for me, it's a combination of all these things that I, I want to keep coming forward with you in, Lord. I don't want to be up here, Lord Jesus, and preach and become disqualified. I don't want to be up here and be a person that preaches well but lives this. It does live hard, Lord, but I want to live it. And I know my brothers and sisters do too. So to a group, to a body of people that we do love you, and I see my brothers and sisters here as faithful, committed, God-lovers, Lord Jesus, we just want to keep going further with you. Lord, we thank you for where you've brought us, but we really want to keep going even further. My friend Andrew Garvin had a, had a vision about the 10 days, which I'm probably not going to say exactly right, but I just feel like the Lord just put it in my heart, so I'm going to share it to the best of my ability. But like he said when he saw our 10 days that he saw in you know, a light happen, um, he saw like some storm clouds and like some lightning and thunder and it was coming down and it was like light up was green and, um, you know, so there was a lot of growth happening. It was great. And, but he, he kind of, what he did was it, it would seem like, like the thunder and the lightning was like a bad thing, but really what it was is, and we know that in the word that's like his glory, but some like lightning came down and like, um, struck some some of the the greenery the branches or whatever and kind of burnt some stuff off and um, and underneath what um, um, what ended up getting exposed for the stuff that was burnt off was was fruit so it wasn't it wasn't that it was that it was bad it was just it was taking it making it better just burning off some things that needed like if you could think about pruning and then exposing some places where fruit could really grow and be seen and you know, it just, it was, it was for the purpose for more. It was like a pruning picture. And so, Lord, I'm, um, I'm asking for that for our body. I'm asking for hope and vision. I'm asking for us to see things the way that you do. We trust you, Lord Jesus. We're asking for supernatural grace to abide in your loving presence. In Jesus' name, amen. me burning 